This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, United Revival is bashed by buddies. And more D doubts as they fail to topple the ton. Hello and welcome to this week's Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy. Podcasting alongside me this week are Alan Temple. Uh, hello. The VAR man. Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And George Cran. Hello. What's VAR? It's not reached my level yet. So. Well, if you save your pennies, George, maybe <laughs> one day. So, Alan, let's start with VAR. How was it? I thought it worked pretty well. Um, it's not the most popular of... Um, Systems, I don't think, among many supporters, but it's here to stay, and there's not a great deal we can do about that. And while controversy was reigning um, up north and down south, I thought it worked relatively well um, at St Mirren. Um, St Mirren scored a goal, which, in my view, a foul took place within that attacking phase of play. As such, the referee had a look at it, went back, disallowed the goal, um, granted it. You know, the, the home fans didn't like it, they they celebrated and had all that, you know, joy taken away, but then the Dundee United fans got to celebrate. So, you know, there's pros and cons, and fundamentally, a goal that shouldn't have stood was rightly disallowed. So, what makes you say that? I saw a goal that should have stood, to be quite honest. No, you, you can't, you can't, whether it's a fingernail in the face or whatever, you, you, you can't palm off. You can't touch anyone in the face. So that by the laws of the game is a foul. Shaking off a player who had his hand on him. You don't. You don't shake so off a player. First, what was the first foul? You don't shake off a player by. But the, if the first foul, I'm, I mean, I, I was pleased it was chalked off. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I have to be honest. If you take the first foul, I thought it was Dylan Levitt, and I didn't think it, I wouldn't have given a foul for either incident myself. Mm. And you turn around and then go, well, if the if the first illegal contact was by a player from the team that conceded the goal, surely you just play advantage. But if you decide to play advantage, that doesn't then give the attacking player the right to make any foul he likes during the remainder of that attack. It's all in the same incident, aren't yeah. Yeah, but you're you're saying one thing happened before the other, so I'm telling you, fair enough. You've ignored the first thing, you've played advantage, but then, in my view, a foul takes place, so you have to go back to that. So you all in the same incident. Yeah. It's uh, you, everything happens in a linear manner, you know, whether it's the same incident or not, something happened after the other thing. So it's there was a palm off to Aziz Behich's face that stopped him from chasing the player. So I didn't even see that. I saw a boy trying to shake someone off and accidentally make contact. I must ac- have accidentally, not accidentally. He impeded the player. So who had impeded him? <laughs> that doesn't matter. I Why mean, does Jay- it Natural justice, man. For God's sake, it's every contact <laughs> of course, a foul. Famously, natural justice is in the laws of the game. I would say, just there you go. There is the the problem. <laughs> but the subject, I think there's the, enough the, there. The, wasn't the, a clear and obvious the mistake. The subjective calls are always going to spark debate. It doesn't matter if they've got VAR or not. Yeah, exactly. The clear ones, the offside ones, where they're able to draw yeah. lines, they're cut and dry. But I can see a case for letting that go because. I think in, in, in the game itself, you players do run. I, th- I didn't think he was. I didn't actually think he was intentionally slapping him in the face to hold him off. I think he was just running and, and, and his arms were flailing. I agree. Now, I agree you, with that. I think it's subjective whether that is a free kick or not. Hmm. You know, I, I, I'm not too sure. I think uh, the player made the most of it going down and holding his face. But the, it's one of these things that is, comes down to someone making that decision. If Tom Duffy's on VAR, he lets it go. If you're on VAR, Alan, you agree with the people who were on VAR, mm-hmm. and it's a free kick. But whether it is or not, players run, running side by side and jostling for the ball, you are going to get an arm in the face now and again. It doesn't have to be a free kick, I don't think. But what I would say is the referees in the VAR room have looked at it, studied it. The referees then come over and looked at it and studied it. Yeah. I would suggest that they probably know the latest rules of the game in that terms of what is a foul. Two referees looked at it. That tells me I'm right because I disagree with them. Yeah. Well, uh, to be yeah. fair, and uh, I'm running the risk of hypocrisy here because we're four and a half minutes in and we've been speaking about VAR, but I just find the whole thing a little bit tedious, to be honest, because it's, it's here to stay. And do you know what? Do you know why we've got VAR? I'll tell you why we've got VAR. It's because... 
managers and players for years and years and years have been lazily laying the blame for all of their defeats at the door of refereeing decisions. Fans have piled on, the media have plastered over, blah, 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 slams referees because it's an easy headline. So here we are, technology reigns. We, we now need to look, go back and look at decisions to help out the referees. So mm. I'm not now going to want to talk about refereeing decisions Tough. Uh, every, every <laughs> yeah. week because that's how we got in this mess I would rather we do you know what I would rather we just played football the way it had been played for the past 130 years and accept that referees are fallible but we can't because paranoia and over criticism and uh, everything else conspiracy theories have dominated so hmm. here we are Te- think, a technological hellscape that's a good thing I mean as I say the, the majority of decisions with offside calls yeah. are bang on but ultimately, when it does come down to somebody's subjective call on a free kick, you've still got a debate over whether it's, is that person correct? Is there ever, and you'll always get people on the other side of the coin who will be willing to say, no, it wasn't. And I suppose, as journalists and as newspaper men, that's good for us because yeah. we absolutely sanitise the game to the point where there's no debate what we're going to write about. Mm. I did, yeah, yeah I, I thought United were a bit lucky with it. One thing I noticed, a little strange, is when the refs go over to the cam- the video Thing. There's not much protection between. <laughs> they're quite low, <laughs> and they, they're going to get pelted. <laughs> Did you like to put them right in the crowd? I, no. quite, I quite enjoyed in Paisley. In Paisley, they've put it right in front of the press box, so it was fantastic. Just as a journalist, you were just there. You could have basically, I could, you could have shouted over yeah. at Grant Irvin and said, "What were you going, Grant?" Because no. he was. It must have been about five feet away from us. Seems to have a protective cage around it, and I thought it was to keep I, the light out. But maybe it's not. Maybe uh, it's maybe just to, to keep the bottles out. <laughs> I don't bet. There was a bunch of young lads running across to behind the camera to shout at the ref, yeah, basically. And it yeah. doesn't, it's like, he surely could see that. So I think, is that not weird. part of the thing where it's, I mean, I, I, generally speaking, I'm a fan, but I think, again, as football leads the way in world sport, it's been done in such a haphazard, piecemeal fashion. Another thing that occurred to me, if that was at last season in England, it might well have been ruled out. But this season in England, they've decided to tell the referees that let more go, let get more physicality back in the game. And I have to say, I thought uh, the Man City-Liverpool game the, the other week, I totally agreed what uh, Klopp said after the game about him and Pep during the game were going, what's this referee letting, away with, letting yeah. our players away with? Because it was becoming a wee bit dangerous. And my point is, if FIFA had sorted it out, and they are, FIFA are a very rich organisation, but where the money goes, let's not get into that. <laughs> if it had been, if, if they'd brought it in properly in a more uniform way, given money associations, so it was all basically coming in at the same time, clear rules across the whole game. Alan mentioned the laws of the game. How, how is it that we could all have the one laws of the game, but there's totally different interpretations and, and and especially in the modern era era where you can you can watch Scottish football, English football, Italian football, Spanish football, German football, and they all have a different interpretation. So you're like, well, wh- where are you? And then, I mean, it leads to problems in, in, in European games when you've got clubs from different countries mm-hmm. playing each other and there's one club thinks that's fine, the other club doesn't. And it just... At least football is a, a game where they always moan about consistency. And the one area where football is consistent is the shambolic whatever they yeah. introduce. Well, it's, here, it's here now, sorry George, it's here, it's here to stay. Yeah. Um, so like or, or loathe it, you've just yeah. got to get on with it. I mean, you were the, uh, there on Saturday, and did you think it disrupted the game in any way in terms of the time it took to make decisions when they were on VAR? No, it was very fast. It was about 90 seconds. And it didn't disrupt the atmosphere at all in fact it enlivened what you know had <laughs> yeah, I, no, because St Mirren fans were giddy as all hell then furious then the United fans hyped up and from for the next 10 minutes and this is reflected in St Mirren scoring after Tony Watt had headed just wide for the next 10 minutes it was absolutely ding dong yeah. you know mm-hmm. and so it was it was good in that regard and just in, uh, finally on this I mean in terms of you know it 
being employed in a, a, a what was the phrase piecemeal fashion something like that it's that it's i never listened myself the, the debate that we're having is down to interpretation yeah. and human in terms of you know the, the way the scottish fa have um implemented that you know i went along to a, a 45 minute you know a briefing and actually got you know, toured around the, the VAR suite and all that sort of stuff. And so, listen, they've got a good setup. You know, I know there's a temptation to think Scottish football, you know, joke, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we, we like to, you know, be self-deprecating in these things. Listen, they've paid good money. They've got a really good setup there. Um, they've got additional things such as a control room, which all associations don't necessarily have. So it's, a, it's like a two-tier VAR you know, floor of a building, if you like, and it's an impressive setup. And there will be teething problems when it comes to speed and communication. And referees having to kind of officiate games in a slightly different way. And you know, we'll always have these debates over subjective calls. But in terms of doing what they can to implement this well, and the Scottish FA are, are are doing you know the best job they uh, they could in the circumstances. Yeah, interestingly, you mentioned it was fast. Now, I think there was moans at the Celtic Hearts game that one of the goals that was reviewed or one of the penalty claims or something was took too long. But as a rule, it's been faster. It seems that everywhere else, they're getting slower. It's taken... I mean, Spurs last night took mm. about five minutes mm. to decide. And, and, and hopefully the SFA will stick to one thing. Because... Whether we agree, whether it, whether it's my point of view or Alan's point of view, at least that one at Paisley last week was done quickly mm -hmm. and everyone knew what it said. Because the longer it takes, the more frustrated people get. I, d I always felt they should put in a a time limit. It doesn't have to be exact, but if if the decision can't be seen that it's wrong within 30 seconds, a minute, then you just go with what the ref went with initially, I think. And there could be a countdown on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the fans going, 10, yeah. 9, 8. Ah, I, mean, I think that's, I think that's, that's quite just a good call because the more you look at something, if you, yeah. I mean, if you've got doubt and then you watch it and you watch it and you watch it and you, you continually watch it, there's a good chance that over a period of time you might go, well, maybe there is something. Yeah. But obviously you've got to go with your first instinct and you I see, think it, so. see it once or twice, make the call. That's Done. it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> What happened in the game? <laughs> yeah, I was, going to, I was going to say, well, just people over the fact that United got beat. Was it a... Were they hard done by? Nah, they weren't great. I, I nah, must admit, nah. I didn't, it didn't sound like it. They were um, a narrow St Mirren victory is probably about right. Um, it wasn't a classic. Uh, although, having said that, you know, uh, you know there were a few chances... Um, St Mirren played kind of exactly the way they played in Tannadice. They said, we're happy for Dundee United to have the ball. And when you get ragged and an attack breaks down, we're going to pounce and get the ball direct forward to our two front men. Uh, like Kilmarnock, they played two fairly physical, um, old-fashioned two up top to take advantage of the fact that United only have one tall centre-back. And... Uh, they did well. I mean, they hit the woodwork three times as well as the two goals they scored, so it's hard to say. Um, having said that, that sounds more dominant than they felt in the game, if that makes sense. They were just... They made the most of their situations in the final third, I would suggest, and the major worry, and I've written about this ad nauseum, so you know, apologies to any listeners who also have the misfortune of reading my stuff, but, you know, the uh, cross balls, you know, it's becoming a, a real problem to have three successive goals than the United have conceded to have come about in exactly the same manner. A relatively unchecked cross into the box and a header. Big problems. Um, need to be more proactive stopping the crosses. And if they don't feel they can be proactive enough stopping the crosses with only one wing back, so only one defensive player in a wide area, then maybe they need to think about more height in the centre of defence. That's a, that is a... A conundrum because I've spoken before. I, I like that back three in possession because it allows the, the wing backs to bomb forward and allow the side centre halves, if you like, to cover over. But when they don't have the ball, that lack of, you know, they're effectively playing with a back five with one recognised centre back when they don't have the ball. And that's 
um, become problematic. So that's a, a wee conundrum for, for Liam Fox to, to solve. And it's no, no, you know, it's no different from any conundrum any manager has to solve. Uh, you can, if you knew you were going to have the ball for 90 minutes, it's easy to set up a team. It's about finding that balance. And that's what we'll be striving for this week because Mother was a tough one. It's a really tough one. Yeah. And you know, I mean, Alan's highlighted that they've got a problem just now for lacrosse cross balls bear. Scottish football's a village. You can expect oh. Motherwell to be crossing that. <laughs> well, you do. And, and you're, you're told that as well. If you, if you get a goal by putting a ball, in, a simple ball in the box and, and the striker nods it in, keep doing it. Mm-hmm. If you put a ball in the box and the keeper drops it, keep putting balls in the box. You know, And yeah, teams are going to, going to pick up on it. I just pick up on Alan's point. While we'll have lost headers in the box, it hasn't been headers scored by towering strikers. No, good point. You know, so... It might not be the hype factor. You've got to pick up players. You've got to pick up so runners coming across you. Yeah, players who are new to well, centre half. It, it could be a, a, a communication exactly thing as well, Tom. You know, you, yeah. you need boys speaking right across that line. And, and we've seen the games against Kilmarnock and again on Saturday, the, the scorer has run across the front of, of players and, and found a bit of space. So that's something Liam Fox will have to contend with. But when you're losing goals, you know it might be time for a change. It might be time. I mean, obviously, I, I saw the highlights of the game, and Alan's right to point out that, you know, the impression was from the highlights that St. Mirren were absolutely <laughs> dominant in that game because St. Mirren hit, hit yeah, the woodwork that, three that, times, and you saw that, that in the highlights, the and that was obviously not the case. Um, but when United got, got a level, last season they would have either went on to take the point yeah. or to win that game. Now, the fact is they've gone on and, and, and lost the game, and, you know... Massive game coming up at the weekend against the Motherwell side who are moving slightly in the wrong direction, Tom. You know, Steve Hamill uh, took over and, and had an instant bounce and had a good win up at Aberdeen. But in recent weeks, they've struggled um, and they are moving down the table. So it's a big one for United. Um, but they have got good players. Again, you know, the guy Van Veen up front, I, I, I uh, like him. They've got one job, or two, a bit of movement in that front line as well, which would concern you. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Liam Fox does revert back to a few of the old guard for that one. I always, my heart always sinks when I hear there's a problem at centre-half. Because, <laughs> let's be honest, and there's, right to the very top of the game, they're thin on the ground, good centre-halves, aren't they? Yeah, but United, the good thing is United do have them in reserve, Tom. I mean, Liam Fox got an instant hit the way he changed, he changed the team around and as Alan's pointed out it has worked having a bit of mobility uh, you know around Edwards um, but the most important thing when you're losing games is to shut the back door yeah. and it'll be interesting to see if, if like so, you know Mulgrew and Big Ross Graham come in maybe just to solidify that sort of thing for three centre-halves I don't know I think we'll be lucky if we see Mulgrew any time soon I mean we yeah, there was no injured, yeah, there was no there was no time frame put on his, his injury and I think the club are very cognizant of not rushing him back because I think there's maybe a feeling that he came back a little bit too early last time and he's 36 years old now so um, but Ross Graham is an interesting one um, I, w- I would suggest I'd, I don't actually think Scott McMahon's played badly at all um, however um, it would be that left-sided centre-back that, that he positioned that he would need to come into and he does have mobility um, okay on the ball and has a bit of height but yeah I think Bear made a great point in the fact that Maybe people, maybe, you know, maybe I. I'm slightly obsessing about about height. Alex Grieve, Dan Armstrong, they're no mm-hmm. big guys. Just you just need to challenge them. You need to mark them. So perhaps that's the bigger issue. It's an interesting one. On the on the plus side, they seem to be doing okay with the ball. I mean, yeah, they were okay. I'm, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing cartwheels uh, about their ball usage in the last Not two games. Not cartwheels, you sound like me. They were... They were <laughs> Tam, they're off the bottom of the league on goals scored. <laughs> How positive do you want anyone to be? Is No, listen, they were... It's progress! They were, they were okay against... They were okay against um, Hibs. They were good against Aberdeen. The last two games have been fine ichi peachy they could have not lost both or one of those games i don't think you could make an argument that they deserve to win either of them um still need to be better on the ball but liam fox for all punters will say and and i get it always been in the building for you know 16 months now you know we should be seeing more 
that's not how it works when you're an assistant head coach. You are there to work for the man who is the manager. You are in there to implement his ideas. You don't go up to him and say, Gaffer, by the way, I think you're miles off here. This is the way we should be playing. So make no mistake, this is the first time Liam Fox has been trying to implement his ways of playing, his systems, his shapes, his patterns going forward, his structured defensively. So that will take time. So honestly, no, I wasn't thrilled by how, by how they were, uh, even with the ball in the last two games. But at the same time, I'm also aware that it's it's early days and he has overseen a, a slight improvement. But... Um, huge game coming up because with Celtic away um, <laughs> next on the horizon you really wouldn't bet on them getting um, anything from that game let's be perfectly frank um, and the last time they went to Motherwell listen it was gutsy the keeper made a penalty save you know you, you admire what was to be admired about that performance but you know let's not treat people like idiots if Motherwell had been more clinical they win that game 3 or 4 now. so Dundee United will need to be better and they will be acutely aware of how good this Motherwell side can be on their day because um, they were very good at Fur Park without winning that game. And just to jump in elsewhere, St Johnson's are playing Kilmarnock as well mm, on Saturday. Yeah, so it's, it's, it'd be a very, very good time to pick up a pick up a win because certainly give them the opportunity to catch up on at least one of those teams and obviously catch up on Motherwell and really tighten it up. Go the other way. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, well, when you're in a dogfight, you'd rather yeah. be in it with three or four. Exactly. Particularly given what Ross County did last season. That's a worry for them. I think you're looking around now. I mean, St. Johnston, I think St. Johnston will be okay. I think it's a great sign in Nicky Clark. He's brought Stevie Mate to life, yeah. Tom. And you just see St. Johnston, they're not going to go on runs of five and six games winning all the time, but they're going to pick up enough points over the course of those five or six games to keep their heads above yeah, water. After last season's blip, if you like, they're, they're take, back to being taking St. a real lift off from that from that cup performance and getting through um, and and had a good set of, set of results. Ross County have struggled now, but you see them you know at the bottom with United. And but Ross County, if you look at what Marky Mackay was saying this season uh, this week, and he was absolutely right. We were here at this point last season. Look mm-hmm. where we finished mm-hmm. up. So he, he, I mean, he's he's putting across. I'm not sure they're the same he, team. No, though. he is putting across he, uh, quite a calm persona. But I'm sure underneath he knows they need to start picking yeah, up points. Yeah. Rather yeah. you're right, they don't have that hungbo Reagan Charles Cook partnership up yeah. front, which could get them goals from nowhere, sort of thing. You know. So yeah, massive game on Saturday. And United were the better team up in Dingwall as yeah. well, which I thought of strangely, you know, of that. I think there's an argument that could be said last week of that winning run, although the, the win against Hibs was a, a huge result. I think they played better up in Dingwall, uh, which was a tough away game, and they should have won that one. So I would be heartened by the fact that I think United are a better side than Ross County, but um, United need to finish above two teams to avoid yeah. a playoff. Yeah. Well, let's not forget that. We're, we shouldn't be talking about yeah. being off bottom. We should be talking about yeah. guaranteed safety. Yeah. And it worries me that Derek, Derek McInnes is the type of guy that will grind out results yeah. and St. Johnston look tidy. So yeah. you're then looking at up towards Motherwell, uh, you know, and mm. <laughs> therein brings us to, to Saturday. It's, uh, you know, it's a, mm. so so yeah, huge games as as they all are right now. And because of this World Cup break, you don't want to spend an extended break at the bottom yeah. of the league, do you? You don't want to be looking at the papers for you know a month or so or whatever it is, Tom. But your team at the bottom of the league, <laughs> you wouldn't be buying the papers and looking at the league tables. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a fact. And George is right. I, I think. A good result for United at the weekend, well, it's, it's massive for them, but also drags the other teams maybe two or three places above them right back into it. You know, gives yeah. them something to think about as well. You don't want to just have, as it ended up last season, basically Dundee or St Johnston for a long time towards the end of last season. And that's not where you want to be. You come out on the wrong side of that and you're, you're where Dundee are in the championship, I'm afraid. I mean, to try to be positive, if United get a win over Motherwell, those teams around them are thinking, well, what if United get back to the form of last season in terms of results? Yeah. Then, then they're worried. No, absolutely. You look at the league table and three points on Saturday really bunches it up. Really, really bunches it up. Uh, you know, Kilmarnock and St Johnston, you know, can't both win. You know, you've, you by definition, would be beating Motherwell and, you know, we'll see how Ross County do. So it would at 100% bunch things up. But said this last week you know it's uh, it's all fine and well mm. saying uh, if they win this game then this will happen but yeah it's 
hypotheticals will be increasingly falling on deaf ears for, for Dundee United supporters given the, the issues they've had this season. I think it's just a case of um, approach this one game and try and get a decent result from it because um, planning too far ahead um, hasn't hasn't been working out too well. You're worrying me because you're usually so upbeat about United. <laughs> I'm beginning to have panics. I'm, I'm, I'm having palpitations here. I'm a wee bit worried about the teams around them. I'm not going to lie. I, I thought Comar... Oh, Comar please lie. Please lie. Comarnock's <laughs> home form is really, really good. You know, yeah. and that's a basis for a survival. I think St. Johnson are a tidy team that will pick up the odd big result. And Ross County, as I say, they are the ones that I would fancy um, to finish bottom. However... Um, I'm just I think Dundee United will be fine in the fullness of time but I think they will need to have a stark improvement if they're going to catch another team that's above them because I think it's a better league at the bottom this season I don't think it's a great league by by any manner of means but I think it's um, I think the team's sort of 10th to 7th are better than they were last season yeah but Another thing that's always implanted in my brain. Now I, I look at, I look at the bottom four, and I would argue until the cows come home that United are the footballing team there. And you always worry about the footballing team in a relegation battle, don't you? Yeah. First and foremost, pick up pick up points. How many times have you have you got in a match and, and your team has played the other team off the park, but came off yeah. you with a point or or with nothing at all? You know we've seen that. So yeah, first and foremost, points. Points are vital. I think for United, we've seen Fletcher get on the mark. We've seen Tony Watt get on the mark in recent weeks, and that's that's a good thing for United. But the goals seem to have dried up from other areas. Alan, mm-hmm. United were a team you could you could rely on a few defenders weighing in last season. You could rely on a few of the midfielders, but they do seem to have dried up. And I don't know quite what the reason is for that. Obviously, they're not playing well enough to get themselves into positions to score goals. But surely, surely guys like you know Jamie McGrath's got a goal in him. You know, big big Ryan Edwards at the back's got a goal in him. Yeah, you know, Leave it. A, a few others, a few others in there as well. But it does seem to have dried up, and that's a concern because when you start putting the onus on one or two boys, and while they have scored, they've not been prolific. You know, yeah, you, you're really selling yourself a wee bit short down the line because if you're relying on one or two boys to get you the goals, and, and they're maybe off form for a, for a game or two, you're struggling. Yeah, and I, I think. Part of that is they're less of a threat at set pieces now because of that lack of height we've spoken about. They have one tall centre half, and then you know I was looking at it because it was it was notable defending set pieces against St Mirren. Arnold Hume's the only player in that team other than Ryan Edwards that you'd say I fancy him to win his mm-hmm. individual battle against someone at a set piece. That's problematic. There's a lot of set pieces in yeah. Scottish football, so yeah. that'll be why that, that's certainly why I don't think they're as much of a threat in yeah. attacking set pieces. And in terms of you know, maybe more goals from midfield. Part of that could be, you know, down to the fact that they are conscious of not getting caught in the break as much as they have been earlier in the season. So maybe you don't bomb forward mm. quite as carefree yeah. as, as you once did. But I, I totally agree. They need to find more potency in the final third. And um, that is really important because the way they're losing games quite often is they can't break down opposition. They commit too many people forward as they you know try to build an attack then the moment it breaks down bang they're away you know it's uh i don't think it's any coincidence that two of the games that that the only two league games they've won they had far less possession than aberdeen and hibs they were able to do what teams have been doing to dundee united Mm. to those teams whereas they dominated possession against st johnston and lost 2-1 so that's a big test now and at the weekend as well they dominated possession against st Mirren. so that's the new test is can Dundee United dominate and win a game? Um, or does that domination of possession actually just make them more vulnerable? Again, who'd be a manager? Yeah, these are tough questions, um, but they're questions that... that uh, why Liam Fox gets the big bucks? Oh dear. Can, I, can, I, just, can yeah. I just chip in before Lewis we Nielsen. kick on? Because I want to touch on the, the Lewis Nielsen stuff because it's not just on the pitch that I think it's been, a yeah. fair to say, an incredibly That's disappointing happened, yeah. a, a disappointing week for, for Dundee United. Um, we broke the story last week that um, United have lost their compensation case against, um, I say against Hearts, nominally against Hearts, I suppose. Um, major blow, not only financially because they'll lose out on a, a sizable compensation fee but the optics are terrible 
to lose a young player, a young talented player for nothing to a league rival. And also the club have played, you know, placed so much, much vaunted focus on their youth academy. And it's a real kick in the teeth to have put 10 years worth of work into a young player yeah. and then receive nothing back for it. So I think it's fair to say that not only will it be a, a blow, but fairly embarrassing for the for the club, and it'll be interesting to see. I, th- I think honestly, I would have expected them to have issued some sort of maybe response, a statement in terms of explaining what happened or what the next step will be, because uh, I gather they were kind of considering their options in the aftermath of that verdict dropping. But for the moment, it remains radio silence. So it'll be really interesting to see what they say next, or whether um, Tony Askar or, or Mark Ogren are willing to. Um, speak about it. Obviously, we can't force people to speak to the media at gunpoint. But you know, it's a it's more a, of a pity. It's um, it, I think it, for for the supporters, they'd be quite keen to hear about how the situation came about, and maybe even if it is a level of mea culpa needed. Listen, people make mistakes. It's, yeah. So uh, you know, somewhere down the line, uh, you know, a wee blip here and there that might be all it is. But I don't think um, I don't think the lack of any sort of uh, responses is ideal. Mark Ogren's over in, in the country this week. I think he'll be um, speaking to, to fans and obviously deal, uh, kind of planning for the for the future. So, you know, maybe supporters will get some direct answers, which would be great for them, um, certainly. But um, as always, I think, uh, as we've discussed, you know, when when Tim Keyes comes over, when, you know, speaking about John Nelms, we're always, you know, keen to to get a sit down with, with these guys. So we'll see how that, that pans out. But yeah, it's been a, I think, Fair to say this has been the, the toughest, I would say, three or four months in, in Tony Askar's reign um, as sporting director of the club. Um, and um, he could do with <laughs> an upturn in fortunes <laughs> on the pitch and um, yeah, to, to take focus away from some some of the negatives there because it's been a, a challenging period and what has been, in terms of the club's trajectory, quite a successful tenure in the road job. It's a, it's a good thing, though, that Hearts have been... Uh so grown up about it, they've not rubbed it in in any way. Oh yeah, no, so. nobody's nobody's saying anything, which is uh, very interesting. <laughs> it's uh, thank goodness for the thank goodness for the big bad media. Nobody would know anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if, you know what? If there has been a mistake, if there's a man that's going to be forgiven for it, you know, ex- when he explains it, it would be Mark Ogren for what he's done. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I think I, I think both Mark Ogren and, and and you mentioned Tim Keys. Someone should tell them, for all, for whatever criticisms they get, people do appreciate what they've done. So if a mistake's been made uh, and they come out and hold their hands up, they're very likely to be forgiven by the punters. Or perhaps they don't think a mistake has been made. Perhaps they're going to take this to the, the very top, whatever that may be. But either way, yeah, people need the, to know. The, the, you the know, people rally need... behind them if they think they've been wrong. Exactly. But people, you know, one way or the other, people need to know because it is... A big issue, particularly in the context of the club's focus on youth development, which is something that Mark Ogren and, and Tony Asker have stated as the future of the club. So when a, a, an error happens, uh, or certainly what the SPFL deemed to have been a major error happens, I think um, it's only fair to say that the club have to say something. Fair point. Now it's time for Odier Part 2, George. Strikes me that Everybody in the championships doing their best to keep Dundee in the promotion race, <laughs> except Dundee. Yeah, that's um, that's the thing that's given given me heart or keeping me positive. Anyway, Dundee haven't particularly got going at all yet in the championship, and they're still only three points off the top uh, after the what the first third of games. I mean, f- what was it? Three points between the top six, five points between the top seven. It's, I've never seen a league like it. <laughs> Even the, the championship's always mad, but this is taking the biscuit. I'd say. You know what? I'm going to be brutal about this because I'm feisty now. Is the team that's enjoying the championship mo- most right now the team not the team that's going to finish second in the Premier League because they fancy <laughs> their chances against second any second bottom, of them. yeah. Even, I mean, I mean, Alan mentioned the other week, Partick were the team that, <laughs> you were the kiss of death. Partick, Partick were the team oh, that looked good. That, uh, result, was, just, that <sighs> result against Queen's Park was bonkers. I oh. think it's if you were going to frame one result and say, 
this is the championship in a nutshell. I think it's that yeah. form of Partick Thistle. A good yeah. Thistle side that you fancied to be promotion contenders. Just getting hammered 4-0 from nowhere. And then they've, they've fallen off the off a cliff. They got they conceded four at Aberdeen, mm-hmm. then four against Queen's Park and four against Ayr on Tuesday. <laughs> Ah, just yeah. totally off the cliff. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's bizarre the way they've gone. I think I, I was listening. It wasn't the, the focus of my attention, but I was listening to the radio on Saturday, and it was a the the got for want of a better phrase, they got a humping from Queens Park. It was it was just oh Queens Park, Queens Park will close again. Oh they've scored again. <laughs> oh they go close again. And I'm thinking this is Park. This all looked. Have looked great. Even just, even the game they lost up at Inverness. If they hadn't gone down to ten men, you would have bet on them winning that comfortably. Mm. Defensively, there's just that Aberdeen game seems to have just totally chucked them off their stride. I think they could see. I haven't seen those goals, but from what I read, they were pretty poor individual errors, and I think confidence has just disappeared. So I think from a Dundee point of view, obviously they've got Queens Park on Friday and then Partick next weekend. I think they would have preferred those those switched around somehow because uh-huh. Partick looked like a team really vulnerable at the moment and obviously Queen's Park are coming off the back of that 4-0 thumping looking really dangerous although watching th- those highlights Partick had a few chances themselves in that even though they could beat 4-0 yeah. so Queen's Park are one of those sides that obviously they got thumped 5-0 not so long ago as well Dundee beat them at a canter too didn't they? Well it was aye the, the scoreline was good Dundee were good but Queen's Park had some chances in that as well so they're a dangerous team but one that seems to you can get at I think at the same time I think the, the first goal will be big Dundee's big problem in the past has been not scoring that second goal they obviously did yeah. that on that day and look where it got them did that against Ayr a couple of weeks ago but obviously Dundee are coming in on the back of two games without scoring which has been unlike them this season it's only the third there's only been three games where they haven't scored two of them against Morton I hope they never play Morton again, uh, and then at, at Rangers. So it's going to get better. It's going to get better. You're so positive, George. I, I think they were knackered on Saturday. I have to say, they were missing Paul McMullen. Good years. The Rangers game, I think, took a lot of them. Um, McMullen was missing. I think he's the key player at the moment. To be honest, that's does give them energy. He's a totally different team when he's on the park, and that showed when he, he came off the bench set up a chance Aussie probably should have scored missed the ball and then Rodden kind of reacted and hit his knee or his chest and hit the post and then at the end McMullen put a ball in for Ashcroft and Ashcroft thinks he should have scored that right in the last minute um, so he makes a big difference McCowan looked tired not his usual kind of bubbly self on, on the wing he'd been moved across to the other side which maybe impacted that and, and attacking wise they just looked like they didn't have too many ideas. Like Morton are a very well set up team, but you'd expect Dundee expect to beat Morton at home, and they just didn't really look like they were going to do that. It was one of the worst games I've seen in a long time. I was it? Yeah. Am I am I right in saying as well, Bear, that it was another change of system as well as understandably a few changes in personnel because they had the tough game mm-hmm. at Ibrox in midweek. I mean. And they're still very, scratching about. Was, yeah, it was just, it was very strange. The system was the same, but the players were moved around. Uh, a few of my friends uh, are starting to call it a tombola team, Tom, because that's what it's beginning to look like. Um, it was a very strange lineup, and I know that they had the, the game against Rangers, and I know a few of the players would have been tired. But, you know, to, to start off, I think Ashcroft seems to have come in from nowhere, right? I mean, Ashcroft had been out for a bit. Sweeney was in it. The back four against Air United, the game they played well against Air United and thoroughly deserved to win. The back four was obviously Legsons in the goal, Kami Kerr, French, Sweeney and Marshall. At Ibrox, I think Ashcroft might have came on towards the end he of the did, game, yeah. the last 15 minutes or so, but why is he suddenly shoehorned back into that team for for the Morton game I'm not sure I don't know why but then that gives it's maybe the set pieces that, that gi- Boyer did say a lot about that gives the manager a real problem because yeah. obviously Sweeney can't unless he goes with a back three of of, of Ashcroft uh, French and uh, Sweeney but he decides to go with a four so he pushes French over to right back and he's still got a left back there obviously in Marshall but then he, he I, I really don't understand this move and I said this to you at the time George he plays Cammy Kerr who's right back Please Cammy Kerr at left back and plays John uh, Jordan Marshall in front of him. <laughs> Incredibly lopsided. 
Incredibly, I mean, Cami Kerr can play at left back, yeah, but as a last resort, surely yeah, they've a, got a yeah. left back on yeah. the park. And of course, he, he's a, def- yeah. a decent defender, and then obviously, elsewhere, we've not got we've not got McMullen on, and he does make a difference, there's no doubt about that. So, McCowan has to play as a as a right winger, um, he gets played in, in the first half, great ball, done, you get the overlap, they're down two on one, he gets played through on his right foot. He's got a Take shot away by his right foot, yeah. he puts his foot on the ball, and drags it back on his left foot, and gets blocked out, yeah, and I'll. I was interested to hear what Gary Boyer said after the game. You know, players were tired, and you know he took again. He took Zach Robinson off for twenty minutes. He didn't. He said he said he was carrying a knot. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. We'll see. Still looks yeah. the best bet up front. I think for so me, as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of hold, holding the ball up, but the team just didn't function right. whatsoever. And it, it, it was clear at half time that things weren't going right. Tom. Now they've got they've got a bench with eight first team players on it. We've talked about Patrick Thistle. We've not looked deep enough into Patrick Thistle. Maybe Patrick Thistle have discovered that this, their depth of squad isn't that great. You, mm, you know what? Yeah. The games they've had. Then you've got eight first-team players on that bench. Doesn't it change at a half-time? Start the second half. Morton are beginning to look more and more dangerous. You're thinking, he's going to have to change this because this is simply not what they're going to get a goal here. And then, it's the first time I've ever seen this. Four, I mean, you're, you, before you weren't allowed to put four substitutes on anyway, but... He puts four substitutes on at the same time. Now, regardless of what you think of, of how he's trying to change the game, it's virtually impossible for four players to come on and not upset any sort of rhythm that the team yeah. has. Not add to it. I mean, and, you know, it was a very, very strange, mm. strange move. And even stranger was none of the substitutions was Paul McGowan. Mm. And, you know, if you've got yeah. a guy like Paul McMahon who, who came on as one of the substitutes, to be fair who creates things. Paul McGowan is the only other real creative player they've got in there and he's got a bit of a brain as well in, in terms of how to manage the game. You know, and I've said this in the past, I'm not sure... He's a good that, player to have on the park as well yeah. when things aren't going to plan yeah, because and he, 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 he speaks. up people with his, with his communication and he, and he, he rails the opposition at certain times, but that's what you need in certain areas. And I'm not sure what's happened, George, maybe you'll be able to say, has there been a fallout there or does he think that McGowan's Ooh. legs are... are <laughs> are gone because he doesn't seem to be getting a lot of game time. And for me, he gives you something that no other player doesn't think yeah. he's got at that point. So it was a very... St- at the end of the day, I've got to say, to be fair, Dundee went down to 10 men. Whether you thought Josh Mulgan was a bit of a rash challenge for the second booking. Dundee go down to 10 men, but it shows where Dundee are in the league that it was actually Morton who were trying to kill time <laughs> in the last 15 minutes um, or so. And as George said, Big Ashcroft's got a wee, a wee sniff at the end, but Dundee were poor again and it's... They seem to go from, you know, we think they've, <laughs> we yeah. think they've got there, and then the very next week you're looking, going, "Geezy, Pete, we're going nowhere fast here." So again, I'm not sure if it's just because he's got too many players, Tommy. Well, just, it does strike me, and I was, I was going to bring Alan here because you were in the capital when Hearts raced away. You've been in the capital a couple of times when Hearts have raced away with a championship. But my, I mean, my image of a championship team for all that we make a lot about Dundee have got a big squad and it looks strong on paper at least very often it's a settled system and a settled team that does well in the championship isn't it 100% couldn't agree more it's funnily enough when Bear was talking about the eight first team players on the bench and um, the, the fact that there's been this alteration in personnel and you know square pegs and round holes and you're just the whole thing sounds like I don't know if you can call it an embarrassment of riches, but it's certainly a almost like a overabundance of options. And you do wonder if that's clouding the manager's feeling of um, what is best a living is and, and how they line up on the pitch. You know, the teams that have run away with this division, Hearts twice, Dundee United once, you could generally pick nine yeah. 10 of their starting 11 on, on any weekly basis and you knew how they would play in terms of shape and intensity because they knew they were the best team in the division and played as such um, so I do find it interesting that there is that level of selection inconsistency and obviously you know with maybe work el- working elsewhere whenever Dundee play it's, it's hard for me to have any expertise in terms of whether players deserve to be dropped or whether other players deserve to be brought in. I can't possibly say that. However, what I can say for certainty is I think a level of consistency in selection builds understanding. Understanding builds 
points and results and uh, kind of collective momentum. So yeah, I think that would be um, that would be a fair point from from the outside looking in. It doesn't seem helpful that every time I pop onto Twitter after a, a disappointing result for for Dundee, the discourse seems to be about selection and and system and substitutions as opposed to you know any deeper issues, which suggests that maybe Gary Boyer still doesn't quite know what his best eleven mm. is and how that best eleven should should function. Yeah, George, is it a case? Are managers fashion victims like I've been with my clothing in the past, but with their team? I mean, the, the fashion now is it's a squad game and you you have to be tactically adept, but sometimes consistency of selection and consistency of system, certainly keeping the right bodies mm. in the right place, isn't a bad thing. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think... The strange thing is that Gary Boris has continu- continually said over the summer he wants more players. So that suggests he wants rid of something. Yeah, that, there's very clear. I think now that he wants rid of rid of a few that haven't been uh, involved. Um, asked him about uh, Sean Byrne this week, and, and he basically said that Sean Byrne has to show him why he should be back in the team but it doesn't feel like he's going to get back in the team which is often manager speak for he's no coming back yeah it, it does feel that way and now McGinn's absolutely frozen out um, Finn Robertson was playing for the reserves as well on, on Tuesday and he doesn't look like I think he's behind Sean Byrne in, in that uh, kind of pecking list um, so yeah I'm really interested to see what the team's going to be on Friday um, how many changes he m- makes from Saturday? They've got a sickness bug as well throughout the squad, which is uh, not COVID but a stomach thing. So wait and see who's who's missing. Uh, which is good in that if you have to play, you can still play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's another another kind of aspect to that. We, we don't know which players have been affected. Who knows what the team's going to? How many players they might have on, on Friday if it's if it's got even worse? Because uh, a couple of players have been missing. Lee Ashcroft and Paul McGowan actually was one of them had been missing a couple of weeks ago with it. So who knows what the team's going to be on Friday? Uh, it's a huge game as well. Queens Park away. There's things that I've been. In a 31-year career in football writing, I never thought I'd hear the words. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite it's I know. true. And no, no offence, well done to Queen's Park for, for casting off their amateur status and investing in their team. But <laughs> you thought, I mean, that must be the first time since the 1890s somebody said it's a huge game against Queen's <laughs> oh, Park. No. Certainly in a, one of the top two divisions it's, in Scotland. I find it really strange when people call them Queen's as well, because they're not Queen's. Queen's are my team. And we're below them for the first time that I can ever remember. It's well, you can't totally call the weird. amateurs anymore, can you? Spiders. Imagine, not, spiders, even, uh, imagine not even being the best queens. I know, it's <laughs> rubbish. That's low. I'm not liking it at all. Um, so, but Dundee have beat them twice already this season, as we talked about the 3-0, but they beat them at Oakleview um, in, the, in the League Cup as well. And a good, a good win, that one. Um, but the Queen's Park signed some players after that. Uh, and actually, we should give credit to Queen's Park. I've, I've heard that they're planning to sign a few more in January. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I, th- I think Gary Boer certainly wants to sign a few in January. And, and he, was, he was saying in the press conference this week, he, without being prompted really, but he, he said that he feels that because the league's so tight that January is going to be a big factor in where the league ends up because it will come down to who does the best business in January. He's also... He played a wee bit of mind games with Ayr, I think, a couple of weeks ago and said they'll struggle to keep their big striker and their manager in January. Um, so he certainly feels Nothing that's... wrong in that. He certainly feels that's where he'll build his team, I think. But he quite obviously has to get players out the door that he doesn't feel are, um, he wants to use, basically. So I that's think it'd be a tough business. ask to bear, right? When you take it that one of them is certainly now McGinn, Sean Burns probably another one, Two experienced pros. Experienced yeah. pros will sit, mm. wouldn't they? And they've got well, contracts they've as got, well. So. They've got contracts. You're right. So it, it depends what's put on the table for them. You know, I think it might be more interesting in January when they're, when they're, with their contracts. I think Burn might still have another year. He does. Yeah, and that, and he's, he's still got a bit to go, but McGinn's just got to the end of the season, yeah. I believe. So. And the Burns, there's a, another aspect, just that it's kind of, he 
his family kind of situation, he can't really move that far. So that's another kind of mm -hmm. uh, hurdle in place uh, for teams who want to come in. for Because there was a couple of teams came in for him at the end of August and it just wasn't suitable for him at all. So he, he stuck around and obviously wanted to get back in the team as well. But I think what we've got to say in defence, uh, Gary Boyer to him, so I'm, I'm giving a wee bit of stick for selection. That we, we see the team on a Saturday playing. Yeah. We see the team selection on a Saturday we don't see them from Monday to Friday when they're actually yeah. in their training and what they're doing on the, on the training pitch to get themselves back in that yeah. team. You know, and the attitude that they're sort of displaying. Um, in terms of recruitment in January, I don't think he needs lots. I think he needs the right type yeah. of player. I think we're all crying out. The, the fact he touched on the guy, Akinyemi at air, I'd like to see him in a Dundee strip, to be fair. I'm sure <laughs> most clubs in that division would like to see them playing for them because mm. he gives them something a wee bit different. He's a handful, a real handful up top. But I don't think Dundee need numbers. But as Tom says, I mean, and I've already mentioned, when you've got eight first-team players on the bench, there's a fair bit of unrest. You can imagine sort of them looking and going, well, I, and I go back to Paul McGowan. There's mm. 15 players used on Saturday and he's not one of them. And, you know, they're drawing nothing's up. So, I know it's... It's a, it's a, it's a really, really strange one. Uh, but we don't know if he might come yeah. on without the red card. Yeah, so, sure. But sure. we don't really know that. But for me, he's one of the best, if not the best, midfielder in that division I'm trying to think of one you might get one that'll score a few more goals but in terms of ability on the ball yeah. you know? I'm, I'm a little surprised he's not been involved he got hooked in the Cove game when it went 3-1 yeah. and so did Max Anderson uh, and uh, I think he maybe did three subs at that point and the players he hooked I don't think have, have been back yeah. involved yeah. Um, Max Anderson was playing for the reserves during the week as well um, so I don't know. It's maybe just he's not happy with what you they've been doing defensively. You don't know. Defense. He won't answer, <laughs> from, from what I understand, there hasn't been a fallout, and I'd, I'd be surprised if there would be a fallout with Paul McGowan. He's not. Yeah. I know he's quite fiery on the pitch, but he's yeah. pretty professional. He's I, a very I professional. I was going to say, so. it to me, I mean, maybe it's a bit of sort of left field point here, but you were defending Gary Boyer there as an experienced manager. Does he not? probably know it's a big gamble whatever the reasons whoever's to blame if you don't make quite big changes to a squad that's failed which Dundee did last season there can be a big hangover now why when George mentioned Paul McGowan there at Spunkmed he's maybe the exception that he's a player that you know that whatever's happened he'll go out and be the same but I mean I've seen it for because of administration because of relegation players through no fault of their own they just there's a cloud over their mm -hmm. head at times in their career and the best thing for them and the best thing for the club is to go somewhere yeah. else and start yeah. again and you get fre freshness it doesn't necessarily have to be a better player just a different player a fresh face comes in and mm -hmm. that can help can't it yeah yeah. I mean, we saw that going away back to 2005 when Jim Duffy was the manager and that day they were relegated at Livingston I mean, that was that was a follow-on from the administration the season before they'd managed to keep themselves up that season but as a result, they never had the finances, so they're in the Premier League. They go down, but Jim kept a lot of those players, yeah. And there was a hangover, and they were expected to to come straight back, and it just never happened. And not only cost Jim his job, but I, I always think the, the biggest example was was the first administration when it was absolutely no fault of the players, yeah. But for the long term good of the club, looking back, a lot of these players should have been moved out properly yeah. as in find other clubs not the ones that were paid off which was uh -huh. was a terrible thing but just because the mood in the dressing yeah. room totally understandably was so down and I just think at times you need you need yeah, to freshen it up you do and there is a case for that but I do think that one thing Gary Boyer did when he came in he lifted he lifted yeah. that mood during the summer everything seemed mm. to have a smile about it every time you spoke to him he had a smile on his face you know training seemed to be upbeat the, the pre-season games were good and he, and he did that. I think he did that relatively well, but I still think that we're, you know, we're now sort of 12 games into the campaign. Again, it's that thing. It doesn't take too, ma too many knocks. Like, I mean, Alan mentioned United were crosses just now. The worst thing that could happen to United on Saturday is if they lose a goal from a cross. There's that here we go again yeah. fear. Yeah, yeah, there, there, is, there is that. Yeah. But it's, it is a, he has got the the biggest squad there and I'm sure if he, if he gets the right players on the park he's got he's got the best squad there are areas 
that I think they let themselves down and I, I, I don't think they're potent enough up top. They don't, he's mm. already said they create more chances than any other team in the league, but they're not taking those chances. Yeah. And one, that means that the games that you, that you should be making easy for yourself by getting away from teams, you're not. So you're either having to hang on or, as has happened in the past, you're, you're losing goals and dropping points and sometimes losing the game as, as it happened at Cove. So he, he needs to sort of look, look for that, but... Uh, is that one of the key both clubs just now bring it in as we come near near the end of this week's episode? Is that one of the hardest tasks of being a manager? Because we're we're speaking about Dundee and United this week and we're like, oh no, oh no, oh no. The manager and it's totally understandable we're like that, but the manager's the one that's got to find a positive and, and got to say, hey, and and maybe at both clubs is look at the squad. Yeah. Look at the quality mm. we've got in the squad in, in our respective league. Yeah. And that's what he needs to hammer home to the players. I think so. I'd go the other way, Tom. I mean, he, he talked a lot about how, how tired a lot of the players were after the game at Ibrox. They had 40 hours to recover. I'd be more of the temptation. Use them again. Get them in the starting lineup. If you see on the part that they are wilting, Change it at yeah. half time, yeah. make the changes. Yeah. Don't put them on the bench and give yourself a headache because the team's not functioning properly. Have to get them on to try and rescue the situation. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough. And somebody told me an issue he had at previous club was he was he was trying to be too nice to all the players as well, Tom. Yeah. And you can't be nice to everybody in your manager, but I'm sure that's not the case. He's an experienced guy. But I just think that the shoehorning of Lee Ashcroft, who I think is the best defender in <laughs> the club, by yeah. the way, Aye. but shoehorning him back into that team. Didn't work at the it weekend. Didn't, no, they had two right-footed players at full-back and two left-footed players at, 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 on the wings. It just, it it just felt wrong. jarred Especially when you've got when you've got options on the bench, it maybe either either change the formation. You could, I think he could have quite easily played three at the back. I, I, thought, I thought that's what he was doing. And that would have so. looked better because you would have had Cam being able to play Cammy on the right and you'd be able to play Marshall on the left and it would have had a better shape to it. Um, but a lot of questions for Friday night. I think so. And... Just finally to to stray back into Dundee United territory, but to mention Gary Boyer and Liam Fox, things could be worse. There could be Tam Courts at Alan. Oh yeah, poor Tam. No, it's uh, yeah. He, you he never say that about me. <laughs> he, well, I, I do, but it's a different Other context. Other than financial, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, it's um, it was disappointing to to hear of uh, Tam's departure from from Hornved by mutual um, agreement. I think though, in this country we love schadenfreude. I think we probably like to see people fail more than other nations, which yeah. is um, not always the nicest habit we have as a, as a, as a country. But um, I was certainly disappointed to, to see it not go well for him. Uh, you know, it was brave for him to take a punt and go over there. And I think he should come back. It's worth noting and it's worth correcting a wee bit of the narrative in the sense that he wasn't disastrous over mm. there by any manner of means no. he play, played 14 games won five of them drew four of them you know that is for a team that have underperformed for the last couple of years and have been in a real malaise a real rut it's not the Honvid of old uh, I think he's probably about par for the course um, but for whatever reason whether um, whether it's the fans not taking to him whether he's maybe felt a bit of homesickness whether there's just been an agreement that it wasn't quite clicking the way that they would have desired. Um, he's, you know, the, the, both parties have decided it's it's best to part ways, and I don't think he comes back with his reputation in tatters in, in any way whatsoever. Did a super job taking Dundee United to fourth, a job that's only the more admirable with the benefit of hindsight of this season, and has gone over to a completely new country dealing with a group of players many of whom don't speak the same language or some a club that really, really needed built up after some really disappointing campaigns. Had them sitting in eighth. Meh, not great, not terrible. Um, so he'll come back here and I think somebody will take a punt on him. And I'm really interested to see where he ends up next, whether it's Scotland, whether it's England, whether he takes another punt abroad. Um, because, you know, he's... You know, he's a young man, so he won't be the the he won't be the finished article. He won't be the perfect football manager. However, he is a good young coach in terms of being a really clever tactician, and there's definitely something there. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he how he develops. Yeah, just finally, but I mean, I saw the same thing happen to Neil Lennon the other week in Cyprus. Another man that made his name mainly in Scottish football as a manager, certainly. Neil Lennon's got the experience to, you know, accept these things happen. It'd be a, probably a tougher blow for Tam Court. 
Yeah, it will be, but I'm sure when he went out there, he knew the, the, the prospects could be their turn. That's yeah. the, the things that happen in football. It doesn't surprise you now the, the length of time managers get. We've seen it on our own doorstep, the sort of thing that can happen if things don't go too well. Um I'm I'm really interested to see where he goes as well, Alan. I, I think he he is a good coach. Um, he's certainly got something something to offer Scottish football, and I hope he gets a chance to do that. I hope he's you yeah, know, I hope so. because some, he, he's not like Neil Lennon. He's not a well-established name. He's he's not a high-profile sort of guy. And that'd he, be that my worry. Very that, quickly, if he's out for any length we're of quite time. Quite fickle with our memory here. Aren't if we? he's out for any length of time, uh, does he get difficult. another start? How does he get an opportunity? But no, I'm hopefully I'll hopefully he does. Queen of the South, George. <laughs> We've got a manager, we're fine. <laughs> no, no, you're leaguing. No, you've, you've got a manager, but you're not fine, George. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just make George even more miserable. Yeah. That's what we're here for, after all. Great stuff, guys. That was a lively one. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs> <laughs>